Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. I'm Dan Rusinowski. It's time for Where Are They Now? And today we talk to center Vincent Domfus, who at the start of the 2021 NHL season was one of only five players who ever wore a Sharks uniform that scored 1,200 or more points in his NHL career. Patrick Marta was on the verge of becoming the sixth, but as you can see, it's a pretty exclusive club. We spoke to Vinny, who makes his home in Montreal today, and he told us about what it was like growing up in the atmosphere surrounding the Canadians, the Montreal Forum, and the great tradition of hockey that is so much a part of the province of Quebec. Well, I grew up with uh, one older brother who was uh, a year and a half older than me, and uh, my dad actually was uh, last of 21 kids. So can you just imagine, like, he didn't have a chance to skate. He, wasn't, he was living on a farm. He was uh, raised by his uh, sisters and there was a lot of people in the house. So he didn't have the attention and he couldn't do the sports that he, that he really loved. And uh, hockey was obviously uh, at the top of his list. So he made sure that his kids had the opportunity to skate. So he built uh, a rink in the backyard for us. And uh, very young. when I was, I think four, I started to skate and organize hockey at five, but we had outdoor rinks in Montreal everywhere. And we had an outdoor rink that my dad would, uh, would build and flood every night and make sure that we had a place to practice outside of the indoor rink. That's where the weather uh, is convenient when you're, you want to start playing hockey. There's all kinds of rink facilities for us because everybody plays hockey or skis around here. So in Montreal, it's a, it's a thing to do. And that's how I got into it, but not, no dream of going anywhere. I just love the game and love being outside and love uh, uh, playing with my friends. And uh, I didn't really think anything else but just having fun. 21 kids in one family. That's incredible. Yeah. How many kids were in your family? How many did he have then? I just had one brother. But, I mean, he had a lot of his brothers and sisters that had 15 kids, that had 14 kids. I got so many cousins, I, I don't even know half of them. Because my dad, he's the last one living now at 82. Everybody else passed away, unfortunately. But, yeah, he is, there was a, it was a huge, huge family living on a farm. And uh, he grew up uh, not being able to have the opportunities, opportunities that my brother and I had by you know skating and having the equipment uh, to to be able to practice the sports that we liked. So if anybody with the last name Dampus gets to the NHL and they're from the province <laughs> of Quebec, chances are you're related to them. Well, there was a goalie Dampus, Jean Francois Dampus, I think his yeah. name was, and he wasn't related. But I guess our my great grandfather was related somehow. So yeah, it's like we're all from the same area, but. Two hours from Montreal, uh, that's where most of the Danfus come from. So tell me about when you started to figure out that maybe you were good enough to uh, 
to think about a National Hockey League career. I know you played in the Quebec Major Junior League, but it had to be around then that people started paying attention to you and saying you can play at a higher level. I would say it was midget AAA. Uh, you got to rem- remember back then, uh, there was no ratings from one midget player to the other. I didn't know what the kid two hours away, you know, how good he was when you were bantam. In midget, you would play against the, the other teams and the other kids in your province, but you had no idea how good you were compared to the, the, the rest of the world, the hockey world. So when I played midget, I started playing against kids in Quebec City, playing against kids in, in two, three hours away from me, and all the best kids were in Quebec. And there was a, around Christmas time, I was the youngest player in the league because my birthday is in December, and I made the midget AAA team my first midget year. So at Christmas time, there was a kind of a rating of all the midget players, the top 20, and I was number two. So that's when I realized, okay, and, and it was in the papers and my, my dad was freaking out. I remember my mom and even I was like, oh my God, okay, this is a, getting serious. This is a, I might have a chance, but I still played for, because I enjoy the game. I loved it. And, and I just thought a junior at the, you know, where am I going to get drafted? And, uh, you know, what round, what rank? And so I finished the year and I, I start to think, okay, I have a chance. I was 14 years old. That's when it got a little bit more serious. And uh, just after I got drafted by Laval and junior, I hired an, an agent. That was the next step to say, okay, this is getting even more serious. Uh, you know, getting organized as far as how does it work? You know what you need to do. And so, Pierre Lacroix, who's, uh, who was the GM uh, for Colorado, uh, was my agent when I grew up. And uh, I'm, I've been with the same firm for 35 years. I'm still with them. Yeah, uh, his son, uh, Martin, played at St. Lawrence, where I went to college, and Eric, yes. too. They both, they both went, I both went to St. Lawrence, too. So we, we, uh, we know those guys quite well. And so sorry about Pierre leaving us here this yes. year. That was, that was tough. Yeah, so Pierre um, Lacroix was when I was 16, showed up at my house because my dad had a question about my junior contract. And uh, he sat down and trying to explain how, you know, the next step was going to go. And we signed a contract with, with his firm. That's, that's how it happened. So that's at 15, 16 is when I really, uh, in my mind, I, I, that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a hockey player, and there was nothing else really that I can remember that I, okay, this is what I want to be when I grow up. There's nothing else but hockey. It was my plan A, and I I had no plan B. And when you were a kid, the Canadians, I remember they won four straight Stanley Cups in the late 1970s. Um, You were probably following that really closely, but uh, who were your favorite players growing up? Guy Lafleur was the star at the time, and I was a kid following the Canadians, but not not too crazy. Like I wasn't sitting and watching every game with my parents. I don't remember that. I remember playing outside and following the Canadians a little bit. But Lafleur was the big star, especially in the late seventies. He was the uh, best player in the league, so he was my idol growing up. One of the all-time greats for sure. Now, what's it like for a kid from Montreal? rooting for the Canadians, you know, playing in, in, in Quebec all your life to get drafted in the first round by the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, it reminds me of Rock Carrier's uh, uh, story, the sweater of the kid who had a rocket Richard <laughs> jersey and got a Toronto Maple Leafs one. Well, I was super excited because you got a, 
you know, you get to realize when you get to the draft, there was 21 teams at the time, and the Canadians were drafted, I think, 15 uh, in the first round, and uh, I was rated number eight, and I got picked number six. So I knew between five, because I had really good playoffs in my last year junior, I knew between, you know, four or five to ten, that's where I was going to come out, and uh, uh, unless there was something, a trade or something. So in my mind, I wasn't going to the Montreal Canadiens. In, in my mind, I wanted to go to a team with a good organization that had room for me. I wanted to make the team. So when the Toronto Maple Leaf drafted me, they were the second worst team in the league the year before. Even if they drafted six, they had all the non-playoff teams. And then it was Toronto who made the playoff, but they were second worst. So they didn't, they made it to the playoff because Detroit was so bad. So that's how it happened. And then when I got to training camp, I had a 11 exhibition games uh, that we played and I played all 11. So there was a month and a half. I had a chance to really get to adjust to the NHL. I had really strong training camp. I made the team and I was a leading scorer in training camp. And uh, they presented me with a jersey. I signed my contract and uh, boom, boom, boom. My life started in Toronto and I was super excited. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I look at the five years that I played for Toronto as a great opportunity. It was, it was a, an original six team. I was fortunate to play for a, a great organization. And, uh, you know, it's got a lot of story, uh, storied organization as well. Montreal has a, a lot of cups, but Toronto has been there for a long time as well. Now they've got a lot of cups too, compared to a lot of other teams. It's just been a while since it's happened. And of course, and I'm looking at that roster from that first year, you scored 21 goals with the Maple Leafs and, uh, a couple names jump out. One, Ally Afraidy, because he later became a member of the San Jose Sharks, of course. Yes. And and Wendell Clark, who uh, was a pretty tough player to play against. And, of course, the Sharks had a big series against Toronto in 1994. But uh, tell us about, about some of those teammates. I mean, I would think that Wendell Clark has got to be an impactful player in your life. Well, Wendell was the first overall pick the year before me in 1987, uh, 85. I was... Uh, first round in 86. So he was the big star. He had an unbelievable rookie season, tough as nails. He was healthy at the time. Unfortunately for Wendell, he got really, uh, really uh, injured a lot, had a bad back uh, early in his career, and he couldn't really perform the way he wanted for most of his career. But his earlier years, he was a dominant force. He was, he would hit like a train and he would fight and he would be intimidating and he could score from anywhere. A lot of goals. And uh, so it was great to play with him. Uh, he was uh, the big star when I played. Uh, the, the fans really connected with him. Ale Freddy, uh, that was funny because I was living in a family. I was 18, didn't speak English. So I uh, went on paper. Uh, one of my first interviews, uh, they made a big article in the Toronto paper that I, wanted, I was looking for a family. I, I didn't want to have an apartment, didn't want to do all this stuff. I just wanted to play hockey, go to bed. And uh, so that family uh, contacted my agent. I met them and I was living in a pretty uh, upscale uh, area in Toronto, but I had no car. So Alfred Frady would pick me up. He's from Detroit, and he had this jacked-up muscle car. He would pick me up in the morning in this nice neighborhood in Toronto, and everybody was like, who is that? 
I would come out and go in his car and he would just blast that thing. The wheels with the smoke would come out of the wheels. And so that was all. He was uh, super funny, but he looks intimidating, but he's a super mellow guy. I mean, you know him. He's a, he's a great teammate. Yeah, he's one of the all-time favorites here in San Jose for sure. When you first, when you went to Edmonton for the one year, you had a really great year for the Oilers. And that was the first year of the San Jose Sharks as a hockey team. What were your impressions of San Jose that year? Of course, they played at the Cow Palace that year. Um, and the Sharks did have some success against the Oilers that year in their first year. But uh, what were you thinking about when it came to this expansion team that one day you would later play for? Well, it's unfortunate the way, I mean, San Jose was didn't have uh, a lot of uh, the teams that were in the league had a, a, a long list of protected players, not uh, it's different now because the, you look at Vegas, the way they were able to build their team very quickly, that's because the teams couldn't protect that many players. Back then when San Jose started, they really favored the teams that were ex- in the league already, and there was very little talent. There's, I remember San Jose was a really hardworking team. A lot of guys that would, that would uh, work and block shots and grind, and that, but they didn't have a lot of talent. So they struggled for a lot of the first years. And I don't think that's the best way to start a franchise. I like the way Vegas came in the league and boom, they were successful, made an impact. And Seattle will have the same opportunity. And uh, I'm glad that uh, San Jose was able to build its fan base and eventually had really strong teams. They were able to survive the earlier years because the building wasn't a great building, obviously, in San Francisco. That Cal Palace was was tough to, to get enough fans, but they were able to survive in that. Now it's a very strong uh, fan base. A lot of, you know, buildings always full and it's great atmosphere. So they survived, but it wasn't easy at the beginning. Well, it sure wasn't. It was uh, it was quite a ride in those years. You become a member of the Montreal Canadiens after that year in Edmonton. And this has got to be a, an amazing moment for a kid from Montreal. And you immediately got even more attention than you ever got before. What's it like? Guy Lafleur, I think, was quoted once as saying that if you go to the men's room in a restaurant in Montreal, you're not sure if the guy standing next to you is a reporter for Le Journal de Montreal or not, um, that you just don't, you just don't know because there's so many people that are following the game. What's it like to play in that atmosphere? Uh, it was great. I mean, uh, to be able to play in a, in a high pressure environment, to be an athlete, I think for me, that's what you want. When I look at the, all the best athletes in any sport, and like a Tiger Woods or Roger, Roger Federer in tennis. And why, why are they so good? It's because they perform at the highest level when in the biggest tournaments. And so when I got in Montreal, I was actually at probably the peak of my career because I had finished leading score in Toronto. I got traded. I went to Edmonton. I was leading score on that team. And I got traded. And then when I got to Montreal, the expectation was super high for me. But I was I was prepared. I had six years under my belt. And when I got to Montreal, that's what I wanted. I told Pierre Lacroix after my season in Edmonton, I want to go to Montreal. Make sure that uh, you do anything that you can to, to get me there. I, I wanted to go back home. I, I wanted to play for the Canadians. And not that I didn't like uh, Edmonton, but you know, it was far from home. I miss my family. I miss being around my, my friends. And at the time, that's what I needed. And when that trade happened, I was super excited. We had a good team. Had a, surrounded with a lot of talent and a great goaltender in Patrick Waugh. 
So I was ready to go. I was fired up. Well, and it, it was good timing too, because of that playoff run that very first year, you go all the way through. Um, what's it like to win the Stanley Cup in Montreal? Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I won it once, so it's the only experience I have. Uh, and to win it at the Forum in the, this building that had so many, uh, so much history, and to win it in front of my family and win it in front of my uh, brother, in front of my my uh, uncle and my friends, and it was great. I got pictures uh, in the dressing room after with all these people, and it's it's amazing uh, to win it uh, wearing that jersey. Uh, to win it at the forum, to win it in front of my, my family, it was it was fitting. It was unbelievable. Uh, uh, I remember more about that year than any other years, and uh, in my 18, 18 year career. I mean, it's it's the teammates that I had, uh, the the goals that I scored, the games that we won, the overtime. I mean, we won I think ten overtime games out of sixteen in that playoff, and. Uh, I think they were all in a row. We beat the record. We had 10 wins in a row in overtime, which is crazy when you think about it. Tell me about the honor it is to be named the captain of the Montreal Canadiens because there's so many Hall of Fame, not only players, but Hall of Fame people that have, been, that have worn that letter C. Yeah, well, like I said, I was, I was a kid from Montreal. And when I got there in 93, we were surrounded by great talent and uh, really uh, great people and great leaders. But I was already my sixth year in, in my in the league. So uh, Guy Carboneau, the captain when we won the cup, got traded. And then it was uh, Kirk Muller's turn. And then Kirk got traded. And then it was Mike Keane's turn. He got traded with Patrick to Colorado. And then I it was Pierre Turgeon. And he got traded. And then it was it was my turn. And I, and I wanted to be captain. I was I was. Uh, I was, it was my team. I felt that uh, I could take that responsibility. I felt the respect from the other guys in the room. And uh, I felt super comfortable and ready. So when Mario Tremblay, the coach at the time, we were in Detroit, Pierre just got traded to St. Louis. So we're on a trip. And he comes in the room with my jersey with the C on it. It was a great moment. I'll never forget it. Uh, great pride. That's how I felt. I felt a lot of pride to... to to follow the footsteps of so many ex-captain and uh, uh, people, uh, even today after my retirement, you know, when he talked talk to me in Montreal, they, I feel that respect. I mean, when you're named captain uh, of, of that team, I mean, it, it follows you for the rest of your life. Speaking of amazing and special, uh, you mentioned, you know, all these guys starting to get traded. You were actually around when Patrick Waugh got traded and that, that crazy game where, the 11 goals against and all that. I suppose your memories are pretty vivid from that night. Yeah, it was, uh, listen, this, this story starts on the first day that, uh, that Mario got hired. I mean, it was a big change after five days, you know, five games. We lose five games in a row. I think or four in a row. And they, they fire Jacques Demers to fire the GM. They bring in new people and, and Mario is named the coach and that, when they named Mario as a coach, we have a game that night. So Mario comes in a dressing room and for his first speech, uh, he's, you could tell he's nervous. He's never been coached before. So he tells, he explains his speech and that, and he's got a very strong French accent. And Patrick is sitting at the end of the room. He used to be roommates with Mario. So he knows him as a different, you know, 
differently than all of us. We look at him as a coach, but I don't know. And, and he starts like giggling a little bit during his speech. So Mario is pissed off. He starts screaming in French to Patrick and he storms out of the room. So that, that was the first meeting. Wow. So the beginning of the relationship between the two as coach and player started off rocky, but we start winning. We had five, six wins in a row, seven wins in a row. But that, I guess, looking back, that moment was just brewing. And it was one day something's going to happen. And it was that day. So in December, when Patrick started getting peppered goals after goals, I guess Mario in his mind said, okay, this is, I'll keep you in there. Uh, but it, everything blew out. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we lost a great goalie. I you know I work with Mario now. Mario Tremblay is a good friend. Patrick's a friend. So I'm not picking sides here. Just the way stuff happened in sports because there's so much uh, emotion involved. And it, it was wrong on both sides. And it's too bad we lost uh, a player of that caliber. And we didn't really get much in return with all, all respect to Rosinski, who's a good friend, and, and Thibault and the guys that we got back. But I mean, we lost a superstar. Yeah, that was a, an amazing moment. And you don't know this, but the night that the trade was being made, the Sharks were in Denver and they were playing the Colorado Avalanche. Oh. <laughs> and I remember this uh, like it was yesterday. It was 12 to 1 Colorado. That was the score of the game with 10 seconds left. And Kevin Miller scored on a penalty shot. So the final was 12 to 2. <laughs> no way. Well, Yeah. And all these guys knew something was going on and they, and they were trying to, you know, have a big night. And you go back and look at the box score. It's unbelievable. Uh, and that brings us to San Jose. And of course you, you finished up your NHL career with the Sharks from 98 to 2004, some really amazing years, but just tell us about even the simplest thing. You come to San Jose and from the atmosphere in Montreal, you can go shopping, you can, you know, you can, you can go out to a restaurant and it, the atmosphere is completely different. Tell us about that. Well, I got to explain to you how I got traded. That's it's a funny story before I get to that. But so I'm I'm playing for Montreal and I become free agent at the end of the year. At the, I'm at the end of my contract. And at 31 at the time, that's when you become free agent. You never I've played play 13 years. And it's the first time in my career that I can actually decide where I want to sign. So the Montreal uh, we have discussion and I understand pretty quickly that it's not going to happen in Montreal. So I know they're going to trade me. But the day before the trade deadline, uh, Rejean Oul brings me in his, his office and he said, I just want to thank you for all the years that you played for Montreal. I'm going to trade you, but uh, I just want to thank you before, uh, before tomorrow. So I said, okay, but there's a flight tomorrow to Edmonton leaving at noon and the deadline's at three. So what, am I jumping on the plane or am I staying? So no, 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 you go on the plane. If you're still with the team, you go on the plane. So I jump on the plane at noon from Montreal. It's a four-hour flight to Edmonton. And I know I'm getting traded. I don't know where, I don't know when, I don't know. So noon, I, we go on the plane and one o'clock, I asked the, there was the coaches at the front of the plane, the media at the time in the middle, the players in the back playing cards or reading or doing whatever. I go to the media in the middle. I said, any news? Any trade? No, nothing yet. One thirty, nothing. Two o'clock, nothing. Two thirty, nothing. And it gets to five to three. 
and I see this guy coming in the middle. It's the trainer that goes in the aisle and taps my shoulders. The coach wants to talk to you. I go to Alain Vignon and he says, you've just been traded. I said, okay, is there anybody else? Uh, he said, no. I said, where, where am I going? He said, you're going to San Jose. I said, perfect. So uh, what do I do now? He said, I think you have to come back on the plane to Montreal because they're playing in Toronto tomorrow. <laughs> so I go back in my seat. I got an hour, an hour and a half with the Montreal Canadiens team and I'm traded and I land in Edmonton and I'm by myself making a phone call to my mom and my dad. They pack my stuff. I'm coming back to Montreal to meet San Jose in Toronto. So I'm sitting by myself in the back of this big plane alone with the pilots and the, the stewardess flying back to Montreal. When I landed in Montreal, I flew to Toronto and we won, uh, I think, 8-5. Uh, I met Daryl Sutter, the team, scored two goals. We won 8-5 and that's how I started with San Jose. I was super excited. I remember the call. They said you were super excited to uh, to have you and uh, I was excited because I was kind of a the media was starting to say that I was finished in Montreal. The, the, I didn't feel the coach was really had my back. I know now that he knew two months before the trade that I was going to be gone. So he told me, he said I was just starting as a coach and I didn't handle it well because he didn't talk to me at all. So for two months, I was nobody would speak to me and I wasn't playing on a power play. I wasn't getting the opportunity that I felt I deserved. When I got to San Jose, man, it was like, go, go, go. I was playing with, uh, with Owen Nolan. I was playing with the uh, great wingers, had success. And as soon as I finished the year, they said, you're our priority number one. We, we want you back. So that's, you know, sometimes you want to negotiate and be tough with the, with the player. But it's always, it's also good. And I give credit to Doug Wilson and, and, uh, and Dean because uh, they didn't hide the fact that they wanted me back. And that really, I'm very loyal to the teams I play for. So they was never looking back for me. When I left Montreal, it was over. I was super excited to be in San Jose. And it was uh, five of the best years of my life. I was super happy to sign there. I had great memories and great organization, good teams and good people. Uh, San Jose fans are, are awesome. What was special about those teams in, in your mind? Well, it was a, a lot different. The first, when I came to San Jose, there was a lot of veteran players. And and then they got, I became one of the oldest. But when I got there, it was like Gary Suter, Tony Granato, uh, Mary Craven. And, you know, there was a, there was a lot of, uh, Vernon was in net. Uh, there was a veteran team. And uh, I saw the transition to the Patrick Marlowe's and the Friesen and the Nolan that had more, more ice time, more of a, a bigger role to play. And that was, uh, I felt I, I had a second win when I got to San Jose in my career, uh, to be honest. I, I felt good there. I, uh, the fans were amazing. I, I felt really calm when I would go on the ice. I mean, I, I knew my surroundings very well. I felt like super confident. You know, when you get to a certain age, you might lose the speed a little bit, but I mean, everything slows down. I mean, it's like uh, I see the, the, the older players and they have so much experience. They don't skate for nothing. They know where to go. They feel comfortable. And that's how I felt in San Jose. You know, I, I had really strong years uh, stats wise in San Jose. I could, I could perform still at a high level and, uh, I felt super good. My last playoff and we lost to Calgary in the semifinal. I, it's probably 
you know, other than the year that we won in Montreal, that's the most confident and the most confidence in my abilities to help the team win. That was in that my last playoffs before I retired. Pretty good way to end it, though, to feel that way about yourself as a person and a player when you decide to hang it up. But... Oh, yes and no, because there was a I wanted to play again. And uh, there was the lockout for a year, and that, I mean, the circumstances made me retire, but I was ready to go the following year. It just didn't happen. I signed with Colorado. Uh, the season got canceled. Uh, my first kid was born in 05, and then another one in 07. So I just decided to move on after an 18-year career and do something else. And uh, I, don't, I never regretted it. I'm super happy now. You're in the broadcasting world as we are, working for RDS. Uh, tell us about how that all started and how much you enjoy it. Yeah, I'm uh, good friends with the president of uh, RDS. He's retired now, but at the time, I was very, very close to him, and I was doing some other stuff. I'm also in the spa business with some partners. The past 20 years, we own four spas now, and one in Whistler, BC, two in Quebec, one in Ontario, and uh, I was I was happy not you know having a job per se. I was an owner of a business, and uh, at some point I felt like I wanted to get back into the game. And I was sitting down for dinner with them, and I just I just said to them, I said, I don't know if there's an opening uh, for for RDS for me, but I always said no to him. I said I think I'm ready to maybe try it, and uh, and. As soon as he heard that, I mean, two days later, I got a call from uh, the guys in charge of the, uh, they call it the talent, uh, who's in front of the camera. And he said, are you really serious about it? And I said, yeah, I'd like to try. So they signed me for three years. That's how I started. So I do pregame shows for the Canadians to, for uh, 30 of their 82 games. So I'm not on all the time. I work 70 days a year, so it's not a full-time job. I want to make sure that I'm there for my kids and have some free time. But So I do 30 games. I do between periods analysis and uh, a show after the game for an hour. Uh, and that's it. I enjoy it. I, I'm there with a lot of my ex-teammates, uh, Benoit Brunet, Mario Tremblay, Guy Carboneau is there. So there's a lot of ex-players that have been hired to do like a, what you see in football. NFL is all ex-players doing games, and it's the same concept. It was a great pleasure to have a chat with Vincent Dompus, truly one of the best Sharks of that era. I'm Dan Rusinowski. Join me next time for Where Are They Now?